0: As new Christians, we go to church and we are a little bit like puppies who just love everybody and everything and run from one person to another thinking everybody loves them. Later, they find that is not true. I never dreamed anything would be wrong at church. I was so happy. Everything was wonderful. The first church I attended after I was born again was a church called Believer's Chapel in Dallas, Texas. A non-denominational church, the pastors were professors from Dallas Theological Seminary. At the time I started going to that church, they were teaching that tongues were from The devil. I don't believe I'd ever heard of speaking in tongues until that moment. I really didn't care much about that subject, but I did attend church and I did listen to their lessons on the subject. One day I was reading in a New Testament Bible and I came across a scripture in. First Corinthians chapter fourteen, where Paul said covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. I was very shocked when I saw that verse of scripture, for the church I was attending, they were forbidding you to speak with tongues and They were teaching tongues to be of the devil. So I was confronted with the Bible saying one thing and the church people at that church group being taught another thing opposite to the Bible. My best friend and her husband attended that church. One day I said, hey, Donna, did you know that Paul said to forbid not to speak with tongues? We were driving along the highway at the time I said that. And she pulled off the highway and stopped the car and said, where did you read that? And I said, well, I read it in the Bible. And I had a little New Testament Bible in my purse. I pulled it out, turned to it, and showed her. She was shocked. We drove immediately back to her house where she had several translations of the Bible. We looked that verse of scripture up in every translation of the Bible and every translation said exactly the same thing. Forbid not to speak with tongues. The church we were attending was forbidding the speaking of tongues and teaching it to be of the devil. I said to Donna, well, I'm not going to go back to that church anymore. And she said, well, I'm not going either. So we both left it. I've had a great many experiences since then in church groups and hearing that which people say in the church groups that which the pastors say, that which the Bible teachers say, and that which the congregation says to me. And so many of the things they are saying are opposite to the Bible. Paul said there would be perilous times in the last days. He told what men would be like, and then he said, They will have a form of godliness. They will look and say they are Christians, but they deny the power thereof. They deny the power of the scriptures to set their doctrines, and they set up other doctrines in the churches, and they think other things. And Paul said, from such, turn away. That's in Second Timothy chapter 3. From such, turn away. Well, without even knowing that scripture, I said, I'm not going back to that church again. They're teaching opposite from the Bible. The only thing we have is the Bible. One time we met a Jewish woman who said she was a Messianic Jew. She was divorced, and she had met a man and was so excited, wanted to marry him. Pam Paget told her that, according to the Bible, if a woman is divorced and marries another man while her husband is living, she commits adultery. This messianic Jew said, Oh, we don't go by the Bible. We have our own doctrine. Pam told me this story, and I said, they have their own doctrine. There's only one doctrine, and that's the doctrine of the New Testament Bible. Many churches have their own doctrine. That's one reason we have all these denominations. At the time the New Testament church was set up, it was set up at the time Jesus was resurrected and taken into heaven. And at that time, he gave to the church the ministries, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 and 12. The only thing we have is the church set up by Jesus. There is one Lord, one faith, one doctrine, one Bible, one God and Father over all. One Spirit. Men came along at the time of Paul even, the Apostle Paul, and set up strange doctrines they were just waiting for Paul to leave to be able to set up perverse things according to Paul he recognized it he knew what they were going to do and he said he gathered the elders of the church at Ephesus together it's recorded for us in Acts chapter 20 verse 16 Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia. For he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem at the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Gentiles, the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing The flock. Also, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Paul knew what was going to come. He knew they would fall away from the doctrines of Christ, he knew they would set up other doctrines, and he knew they would start other church groups with other doctrines. All of those denominations that we see today, so many of them started right there at Ephesus at the time Paul spoke to the elders of the church. For even among them, Paul says, of your own selves, of the elders shall many arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. The apostle John in first John chapter two, verse eighteen, in speaking to the church said Verse eighteen, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come even now, there are many at a Christ, whereby we know that it is the last time. We speak today of the last times, that we live in the last times. But we see that even in the days of Paul and John, they were in the last times. How can this be? peter explained it for us in second peter chapter 3 he says god doesn't see time the way we see time to the lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day if we go by that statement it's only been about two days since jesus was crucified god sees a thousand years is one day, and one day is a thousand years. Jesus said he comes soon. That was in the book of Revelation, the last chapter. And yet it's been 2,000 years. Well, this explains why Jesus would say he comes soon. This explains why Paul and Peter would say that he comes soon. The time is upon us. Because in the sight of man, the time is long, but in the sight of God, the time is short. And they saw it through God's eyes. Anyway, John said in 1 John chapter 2, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. They went out from us, from the church group of John and Paul. But they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, what happened with the elders at Ephesus is Paul said, after my departing, see, he was holding them together with doctrine. But after my departing, men shall rise up among you, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. We can see that these denominations started at that time. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one doctrine, one Holy Spirit, one God. And yet we have all these denominations teaching things opposite to the Word of God. We have the Holy Bible today, the New Testament Bible. We have the doctrines in writing in the New Testament Bible, and yet many churches just completely depart from those doctrines Matthew 5 verse 32 Jesus said but I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife saving for the cause of fornication causeth her to commit adultery and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery he's saying to the men if you divorce a faithful wife she will likely go out and remarry. And when she remarries, she commits adultery, but you will be the cause of her adultery. And the man who marries her will commit adultery. That's not what they're teaching in churches today. They have set up another doctrine to approve divorce and remarriage and the divorce and remarriage of the divorced woman And they approve men marrying divorced women. Because it really makes no sense to their mind that it would be adultery for a man to marry a divorced woman. It makes sense to our mind because we read these words of Jesus. We conform ourselves to what Jesus said in the Bible rather than conforming ourselves to what the world says about the subject and what our own mind says we are conformed not to this world but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind to what the Bible says but we have so many doctrines of antichrist being taught in one church after another I was watching television news once and that Catholic Pope got on screen and he said, well, I don't see anything wrong with homosexuals, with being homosexual. I screamed at the television, what about the Bible? It's not what you and I think. It's what the Bible says that reveals what God thinks. Romans chapter 1 tells us what God thinks about homosexuals and lesbians. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural youth into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. That's what God thinks about homosexuals and lesbians. Vile affections. He gave them up into vile affections. Romans chapter 1. So we read Romans chapter 1, and we conform our thinking to what the Bible says, knowing it is the Word of God. This Pope didn't have any idea of what the Bible said. Well, that's not too unusual. One time, my neighbor across the street from me gave some of my radio recordings to a Methodist preacher at his church. And the Methodist preacher returned the recordings to Gordon, and Gordon said, well, what did you think? And this preacher said, well, I don't know anything about the Bible She certainly knows a lot about the Bible, but I don't know anything about the Bible. This was their pastor. The Bible is the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God, says Paul, under the inspiration of God. All scripture, that's our doctrine. That's how we know what God thinks about a subject is by the Bible. We conform ourselves to what God says. We change our thinking from the way we used to think, and now all of a sudden we see what God says. One time um, I had a friend about 10 years younger than I. He had been raised Catholic. He then became born again and went to some non-denominational church. He met a woman who was divorced and I don't think I was even a Christian at the time Bill told me this. I became a Christian about six months after Bill. And he he said they taught in the Catholic Church that you shouldn't marry a divorced woman. But he said that what he did is he was driving down the street. He'd met this divorced woman. He wanted to date her. He wanted to marry her. And he said he asked God to have the car blink that that he was approaching the carlite's blink if he if he should marry her the carlite blinked bill married the divorced woman later i became born again and saw the scriptures look at second at first corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 and 11 paul says this is a commandment of the lord concerning women who leave their husbands. 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. But what if the, the woman's husband's a drunkard or a fornicator? Jesus said if the woman was a fornicator, the man could put her away if she was unfaithful. He couldn't put away the woman who was faithful, Jesus said. Humans want to think everything's the same for men and women. Everything has to be equal. This is not what the Bible teaches. Matthew chapter 5 verse 32, Jesus is speaking to the men, not to the women, to the men. And he says, not to put away a faithful wife, for if you do, and she remarries, she will commit adultery. And you will be the cause of her adultery, and the man who marries her will commit adultery. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. As we compare the scripture here, First Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says this is a commandment of the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. At the end of this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we read the same thing that Jesus said in Matthew 5.32 concerning the divorced woman committing adultery if she remarries. Paul, speaking to the New Testament church, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29 Many churches today say we're not under the law. Therefore, God wants you to be happy. So, of course, you can divorce and remarry. We are not under the law of Moses concerning the sacrifice of animals for our sins as they did in the Old Testament. But we are under the law of God in the New Testament. And here is the law of God for the New Testament concerning women. Verse 39, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Romans chapter 7, verse 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Paul speaking to the New Testament church, speaking the doctrines of Christ, the laws of God, for the New Testament church, speaking in the Holy Bible under the inspiration of God. This is all we have to go by to show us the will of God on the subject. But at the church groups today, it seems foolish to say that the divorced woman cannot remarry as long as her husband is living. So they twist the scriptures and change it and explain everything away, or they just don't mention the scriptures. And divorced women come to their churches and go to the singles class to meet men to marry. They promote adultery in their own churches, in their own singles classes, and they marry the people in front of the whole congregation. And everybody approves it. Over and over and over, we see that happening. That is Antichrist ruling in the churches. My cousin, who is not or was not a church person at all, she is no longer living, but she told me this story. One of her neighbors was having a cookout, and she dressed in blue jeans and appropriate cookout-type clothing and went to the cookout. And she told me, she said, oh, I was so embarrassed. When I got there, it was a wedding. My neighbors were marrying each other, two men. And she said, I was so embarrassed over the way I was dressed. And I said, I wouldn't have been embarrassed over the way I was dressed. I would have said, this is wrong for homosexuals to be marrying, and I would have fled. Later, before she died, I believe she was born again. But the people don't have any basis for anything they live by, the people of the world. And the people of the churches don't have much basis for what they're living by, because the doctrines are so perverted. I went to a small non-denominational church on a Wednesday night. About 200 people were probably in the congregation. I was looking for a church to attend when I went to that meeting. The pastor was teaching, and he was teaching from the book of John, chapter 8, where the woman was taken in adultery and brought before Jesus. And the pastor said, and when she was brought before Jesus, the woman was naked from the waist up. I was so shocked. I've read John 8 many times, but I thought, maybe I'm wrong. There's nothing in that that says that woman was naked from the waist up. And I thought, maybe I'm wrong. I looked around the congregation, and men were sitting there, many of them, with big smiles on their face. I knew they were imagining what this naked woman looked like. I didn't see anybody that night in the congregation pick up a Bible to read John chapter 8. I did pick up my Bible and read John chapter 8. There's not one word in John chapter 8 about that woman being naked as the pastor was teaching. The next day I called him and I said I was in your service last night when you talked about the woman brought before Jesus and you said she was naked from the waist up and I can't find that in the Bible. I'm calling to ask you where that is in the Bible. He grew very, very silent and then he said, I can't remember where it is. This is going to turn out to be a lie. I said to him, well, it's very important for me to know this, so please, would you look it up and find it and tell your secretary where it is in the Bible so she can call me and tell me because it's very important for me to know this. He got very silent, and then he screamed at me in anger. All right, it's not in the Bible. Where do you go to church? Well, I was trying to find one to go to. But I wasn't going to go to one where the pastor lied and added things to the Bible and brought lasciviousness into his own congregation by speaking things which caused men to lust. The next week I went to another non-denominational church. The pastor was teaching. And he said, Hagar and Sarah were half-sisters. Well, I'd never read that before, nor had I ever heard it spoken before. So when I came home, I took my Bible and read everything about Sarah and Hagar. And I couldn't find it. So I called him and I said, I was in your service yesterday morning, and when you spoke about Sarah and Hagar being half-sisters, and I, I can't find that in the Bible. He got very quiet, and he said to me, I, I just can't recall where that is. And I said to him, It's very important for me to know, so please would you look it up and tell your secretary where it is and let her call me and tell me. Very silent he got, and then he became angry, and he said to me, All right, it's not in the Bible. No repentance, no shame. Neither of these men showed any repentance nor shame for adding things to the Bible, for lying, for deceiving their congregations. They showed no shame. This is what Paul's talking about when he said in Second Corinthians chapter 2, at the last verse, verse 17, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Even in the day of Paul, many were corrupting the word of god speaking things to their churches which were not true what's going on i had no idea why wouldn't they repent why they they told me all right, it's not in the Bible. They told me they were teaching things that were not in the Bible, but why wouldn't they repent? Why was there no sorrow for what they had done? Why didn't they feel ashamed? This grieved me deeply. About 15 years later, God showed me exactly what was going on. Second. Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 2 Paul says verse 3 Paul says let no man deceive you by any means for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Jesus could not return for the church until the apostasy happened in the churches. They would fall away from the scripture. And concerning what Paul said in verse 3 of Second Thessalonians 2, Let no man deceive you by any means for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first. God said to me, the falling away are not the people leaving the churches. The falling away are the churches leaving the scriptures. And when they left the scriptures, the man of sin moved in. Antichrist moved into the churches showing himself that he is God, poseth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. A few years later, God called my attention to the word restrain, restraint. And I knew that word was in a scripture, and I found it once again in Second. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 about Antichrist. What was the restraint holding Antichrist back from the churches? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 NASB spells it out for us. Verse 6 And you know what restrains him so that he will be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. What's this talking about? I said to God, what is it that restrained Antichrist? And instantly my eyes were opened and I saw the restraint against Antichrist was the word of God. The minute they removed the scriptures, Antichrist could move into the churches and did. Portions of Scripture, just little portions of Scripture removed. And you know what restrains him now so that he will be revealed in his time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains, he who now restrains, he, Jesus the Word, who now restrains to keep Antichrist out of the church. He who now restrains will do so until he is removed. When you take Jesus, the word, out of the church, and you set up another doctrine, Antichrist moves in. The restraint against Antichrist has been removed. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. But it all had to happen before Jesus returned for the church, according to the Apostle Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, King James Version 3 and 4. Back to King James Version verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They went along with the changing of doctrine in the churches. I left. I left the church, that church group, when I saw the doctrine was opposite from Bible. They stayed. What have you done? Did you stay there knowing it isn't true? according to the Bible, why are you sitting there among them? What's going to happen to them is they're going to perish in those churches because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I found great pleasure in going to church and being with churches and being in the singles class and having people to be with and go places with. Great pleasure. But I left it when I saw they were not speaking according to the Bible in certain scriptures. There's no way to get them to change for their antichrist opposite to Christ the only thing to do is leave that church group when you see things are wrong and you know they will not change that's the only thing you can do if you want to approve God otherwise you're approving their doctrine which is antichrist one more scripture, Second John, start at verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. The doctrine of Christ is the doctrine set forth in the New Testament Bible when they change portions of that doctrine and set up another doctrine, you can't sit among them. You can't approve them. For to approve them is to deny Jesus Christ, the Word of God, in the Holy Bible. Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen, 17 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's where you're going to get your doctrine. Is from the New Testament Bible. All scripture. It's given by inspiration of God. And you can take that New Testament Bible. And check your doctrine. It's profitable for doctrine. For reproof. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. What is right in the sight of God is what matters. And we know that by looking at the New Testament Bible. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. That which is right in the sight of God is the thing we go by. And we know that by reading the New Testament Bible and proving the doctrine, comparing scripture upon scripture by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The Spirit of of truth. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.